thank each and every one of you for joining us today at Berkeley Evangelistic Association. And we appreciate very much that you tune us in to the broadcast that we make available to everybody. Thank you very much for being here today. We're going to be uh, continue with our study in prayer and forgiveness. And as promised last time, we're going to be in lesson number six, and we'll be picking up with forgiveness. We're leaving the the prayer aspect of it, and we're going to be looking at the forgiveness. Now, as we said earlier, prayer and forgiveness go together. Uh, so we're going to pick up with forgiveness and see how uh, needingful it is in our lives to be able to forgive. I pray that God will bless you as you open your mind and your hearts to receive his word and that Jesus would be very real in your life. And by all means, when you go out today, let Jesus be seen in you and say something good for Jesus today. Okay, let's have our opening prayer and we'll get right into our lesson. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us and for all your blessings. Father, be with this message today as we talk about forgiveness. Help us to realize, Lord, that without us being able to forgive others, that you're not able to forgive us. Father, let Jesus be seen in us, that through our love and forgiveness of our fellow man, that Jesus will be seen, that our light will not be placed under a basket, but it will be out so that it can be seen by the world. And Father, we pray that uh, for those that are listening today that uh, are sick or afflicted or whatever the case may be, Father, we lift them up to you and we pray that you're healing hand would be upon them, Lord, that you would restore them to good health. And Lord, let them do for you to lift up your name and to bring glory to you and your kingdom. And we pray all this now in Jesus' name and be with all those listening today, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we might understand forgiveness in a way we've never seen it before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now to begin with lesson number six, I believe that forgiveness is uh, misunderstood and neglected in our life because it is only through God's grace that there can be true forgiveness. The scripture tells us that God will not forgive us if we can't forgive others. There are many scriptures that speak of this, but I'll re I'm just going to reference Matthew 6, uh, 15. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I also believe that forgiveness of others is a natural instinct that man has. Of course, we forgive ones we love and special people that we know. But what about the people we don't have any contact with or maybe our enemies, the ones that persecute us? What about these? Do we forgive these? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45, Jesus tells us, he says, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his uh, sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So even though there may be sinners all around me, when it rains, it rains on both of us. Uh, his yard gets watered just like mine does, even though he don't know Jesus Christ. So this ability to forgive is God-given through the Holy Spirit, not through anything man is capable of on, on his own. And once Jesus is accepted and believed upon, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, and we are reborn of the Spirit. 
and not of the flesh. So having said this, let's go now and begin our uh, rather lengthy study, uh, deep thinking study on forgiveness. Introducing forgiveness, is it possible? Is it possible? One of the greatest and beneficial needs in any relationship is forgiveness. Now our necessity for forgiveness could be considered as one of the items needed for peace. Forgiveness is so misunderstood today. True forgiveness is an act of uh, unconditional love. God is the author of true love, for he is love, pure and holy. Our ability to forgive typically varies from person to person, which without God leads to unrealistic expectations and often disheartening results. Let there be no confusion about forgiveness being at the heart of Christianity. From the Bible standpoint, and perspective, no activity of Christian life is more closely aligned to the love of God and the willing sacrifice of Christ than forgiving others. As Christians, believing and trusting upon Jesus the Christ, son's only, uh, God's only Son, forgiveness has to be incorporated into our everyday life. It must be rooted in undeniable truth, the Holy Bible, the Word of God. Now, since forgiveness is basic to understanding God's recorded plan for all of life, every person should know what the Bible says about forgiveness. In a greater and larger aspect, believers in Christ need to learn and practice biblical forgiveness and in the process mature in Christ and bring glory to the Lord. Now, there are certain uh, misconceptions, common misconceptions about forgiveness. And the lack of biblical knowledge relates to the lack of authentic forgiveness. We must know the route to forgiveness, which is taught in God's Word. There are many errors or views of forgiveness that contribute to a misunderstanding of forgiving. I'm sorry, please forgive me. These are common words of forgiveness, but when they are only voiced from the lip and not from the heart, well, it is non-productive and is also uh, meaningless. We must always remember the heart is what God looks upon and unless our action of worship and yes forgiveness are not from the heart, then God is inattentive. Let's look at a few misconceptions in this area. Personal feelings determine whether one should grant or receive forgiveness. This is not true. The Bible is the guide. Some sins can be forgiven, but other sins and shortcomings are beyond forgiveness. Now, this is not true because God can forgive all sins except the, den the denial of Jesus because Jesus is the payment for sin, and therefore, without him, there is no forgiveness. So forgiveness removes the consequences that result from sinful behavior. Confessing and forgiveness is an ongoing process as long as we live in this sinful world. An unwillingness to forgive has no bearing on one's spiritual development. Not true. We must forgive and to receive forgiveness. And without receiving forgiveness, then we're not born again. Broken relationships are completely restored by the statement, I forgive you. These are only words. Without heartfelt meaning, as we said earlier, they are unproductive. True forgiveness from God through Jesus results in a change of heart and attitude. Granting or receiving forgiveness requires one to forget associated past sins. 
No, the fact is the memory of certain sins, even though they're forgiven by God, is often important for training in righteousness and frequently helps to remind a believer not to repeat those sins. Forgiveness requires that no aspect of forgiven sin can ever be discussed again. Now, I believe that discussing where God delivered you from is part of your testimony, and this requires some discussion of past errors and sins. Forgiveness only deals with big mistakes and is not necessary for minor everyday wrongdoings. Listen, all sin is sin. Wrongdoings, errors, mistakes, or whatever you want to call it, sin is sin. The Bible says if you have broken one law of God's, then we are guilty of breaking all of the laws. Our willingness to forgive others must be precipitated by their confession of repentance. Now, sometimes there's a problem, and the other party will not ask for forgiveness. But you can pray about this and ask God because he always understands and knows that you are willing to forgive. The person granting forgiveness determines if another is worthy of being forgiven. Not so. We are not to judge others. None of us were worthy to receive God's grace and his forgiveness. A person receiving forgiveness will no longer have to deal with guilt. No, guilt is a tool of the devil, Satan, to attempt to wreck your spiritual happiness. He will try to bring guilt but you can overcome it through the Holy Spirit and the truth of the word. The phrase, I'm sorry, has the same meaning as please forgive me. Maybe. These are only words, and the true forgiveness is in the heart, and we said this earlier. There is no perfect example of forgiveness to follow. Not true. Jesus Christ and the Bible are examples of forgiveness. Jesus Christ himself was a perfect example of forgiveness and what's required to uh, get true forgiveness. Those who grant forgiveness as well as those who receive forgiveness will no longer have troublesome memories associated with forgiven sins. Old saying, forgiven but not forgotten. We know we are forgiven, but we are forced to remember sometimes because of the devil messing with us. Is it possible to forgive yourself? We had to forgive ourselves or else we would always roll around in our self-guilt. So many of the above viewpoints are assumptions that result from a faulty understanding or denial of true love as described in the Bible. We are to react with Christ-like love. Now the basic definition of forgiveness, the world we live in really does not understand the Bible's definition of forgiveness as presented to us by Jesus Christ. The dictionary describes forgiveness from a legal and just uh, judicial standpoint, and the Bible defines it in a similar fashion, but with more compassion and humility. So the world says forgiveness is a pardon, absolved, or acquitted uh, against an offense to cancel a debt. The Bible defines forgiveness, remit or cancel a debt to send away, let alone leave and set aside. Now these definitions remove any misconceptions of forgiveness as being linked to emotions, okay? You see, our emotions and feelings can become quite stirred up when it comes to the act of forgiveness. But please understand forgiveness at the heart of the matter is a choice, and this choice is a matter of the will. So biblical forgiveness rests on the power of a purposeful 
decision as opposed to the intensity of strong emotions. The biblical context of forgiveness, sacrificial love. The Bible goes much further than defining forgiveness simply as a choice or a decision to forgive. In God's word, it is presented in the context of sacrifice, a perspective that greatly impacts the decision to forgive. Since biblical forgiveness has a spiritual basis, only certain people can faithfully forgive as the Bible teaches. These persons must first respond to God's love that is preemptively displayed by the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. Please review the below scripture or this following scripture that I'm going to read to see for yourself how much God loves us and what was done to save us. All right, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. It says, Christ in our place. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his, through, uh, his life? Now Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world and gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, But because of uh, his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace which we are non-deserving of God's grace. The example and standard of forgiveness. The awesome demonstration of God's love, which is a sacrifice of Jesus, is the perfect example of forgiveness that sets a standard by which God's children are to forgive others. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. We as human beings can never understand the Bible's method of forgiveness unless we believe on Jesus Christ and let him become the Lord of our lives. Without the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to forgive the way Jesus demonstrated and taught during the time he was on the earth with his disciples. We must receive God's forgiveness in order to know how to forgive others, biblically. In the framework of sacrificial love, biblical forgiveness makes forgiveness possible rather than an impossibility for believers in Christ who trust God to help them forgive others. Your understanding of true forgiveness is not totally and spiritually realized until you yourself experience the forgiveness of God. Now let's look at the characteristic of God's forgiveness. 
So what are the characteristics of forgiveness that God offers? Well, it begins with God. He is the ultimate judge, jury, and prosecutor. God gave his son, Jesus, which was in fact himself in the flesh, to pay the payment for sin and take the dominion of the earth away from Satan, Lucifer, and return it to his divine children, whom, by the way, are the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died a sinner's death for us. Since forgiveness begins with God, believers in Christ should review the characteristics of divine forgiveness in order to understand and practice forgiveness of others. The Bible is full of references of divine forgiveness. God's forgiveness is freely offered, but it costs, its cost is beyond our full comprehension because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. No one is worthy to receive God's forgiveness since potential recipients are weak, sinning, unworthy enemies who should receive God's wrath. God willingly offers forgiveness to those who are truly unworthy to receive it. This is God's grace. God demonstrating his willingness to forgive due to his love, his mercy, and his grace. His willingness to forgive is part of his nature. It is not con uh, conditioned by someone's confession or deeds of repentance. God grants forgiveness initially to those who believe in Christ. As a result, these believers are given eternal life and a new relationship begins between them and their Heavenly Father. God is able and is ready to forgive every type and any amount of sin except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now Matthew chapter 12 verse 31 says, Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Psalms 103 Verses 10 and 12, he, do, uh, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. In the above capacity, God is a righteous judge who has removed his uh, eternal judgment of wrath that is due our sin. God always forgives when personal sins are truthfully confessed. The relationship between God and a believer in Christ can be vibrant as a believer responds in everyday life to God's readiness to forgive. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our Heavenly Father grants parental forgiveness in response to his children's confession of their sins. This action demonstrates the eternal family relationship God the Father has with his children, all the whom are not immune to sinning in thoughts, words, and actions. God removes all guilt, judicial, not emotional, when he forgives. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 1 there is therefore no condemnation for those who, in Christ, uh, who are in Christ Jesus. Now the traits of biblical forgiveness. Those who are maturing in Christ realize that biblical forgiveness is patterned after God's example and should be integral to their lives. 
After recognizing the characteristic of God's forgiveness, however, believers may conclude, who can come close to forgiving like that? Is this your reaction? Good. You are growing in your understanding of forgiveness from God's perspective and are closer to practicing biblical forgiveness than you think. When biblical forgiveness is recognized to be impossible from a human perspective, then the believer realizes the necessity of relying on God to help them forgive others. See, it's an act of God, not something I do on my own power. Now, biblical forgiveness may seem impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When believers depend on God's unlimited power and his word, they will truly forgive instead of trusting in their own uh, natural wisdom, limited strength, and unpredictable emotions that prohibit biblical forgiveness. Biblical forgiveness is not lip service, but it's from the heart. Believers who forgive from the heart will demonstrate their forgiveness, and we need to understand forgiveness is offered because it is needed, not because it is deserved. Forgiveness is a purposeful uh, choice that overshadows emotional responses that are often wrongfully used to legitimize the withholding of forgiveness. Forgiveness is offered because God's grace, mercy, and love are active in the lives of those offering forgiveness instead of forgiveness being conditioned on the supposed worth of the person receiving forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is granted for any type of sin, from simple mistakes to the worst sins imaginable. Forgiveness is often uh, offered at great cost to the person uh, granting the forgiveness. Forgiveness is ready to be offered before wrongdoers realize their need for forgiveness. And forgiveness will always be granted to those who confess personal wrongdoing. Forgiveness covers sin in such a manner that past sin is not brought up again in an accusing or manipulative manner. Any discussion of past failures is to focus on a more comprehensive re restoration to the Lord and others and not simply be a recitation of past mistakes. Forgiveness provides a possibility for renewed relationships, including those that are considered beyond repair or completely dead. The practical aspects of biblical forgiveness. These are practical aspects of biblical forgiveness that should not be overlooked. Unbelievers are unable to fully understand or practice biblical forgiveness because without God's Holy Spirit, forgiveness on a biblical proportion is not possible. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, we find the, nat the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The definition and expression of biblical forgiveness should be explained to everyone who is involved or impacted by its application. This explanation should be presented to believers and unbelievers, even though incomplete understanding can be expected. When biblical forgiveness is explained to unbelievers, their response will typically focus on its impossibility. Believers who do not know or practice biblical forgiveness will also see its natural impossibility. 
as believers mature in Christ, however they will respond by graciously forgiving others as God has forgiven them. Often those in sinful relationships or those who hide long-standing personal sins are encouraged by well-meaning friends to immediately ask for forgiveness from others who are impacted by these sins. However, quick forgiveness is not the issue. Instead, the focus of forgiveness should be its reality, and that takes time and effort by all those involved in order for biblical forgiveness to be understood, to be asked for, and then be implemented. The phrase, I'm sorry, can obviously describe how one feels, but it does not specifically indicate that a person is asking for forgiveness. Biblical forgiveness does not remove all consequences that can result from sinful behavior. An example of this might be a robbery victim who forgives a repentant uh, thief who committed the crime, but law enforcement will still arrest the thief and the judicial system will sentence the thief accordingly. Biblical forgiveness can be offered wholeheartedly, but potential recipients can reject this loving offer in word or in deed. This rejection might be evident right away or sometimes in the future. Those who ask, will you forgive me for specific sin, will demonstrate their sincerity and repentance in the days, weeks, and yes, months and years that follow. Immediately departing from specific sin is encouraging and necessary, but sensing or ceasing from a known sin does not guarantee wholehearted repentance. Authentic repentance will result in Christ-like maturity across every dimension of life and every relationship. The question, will you forgive me, and the, purpose, and the response of I forgive you do not guarantee any beneficial results simply because these words are uttered. Biblical forgiveness is a start of the journey to improve or restore a relationship, but it is only the beginning, not the finish line. Those in a sinful relationship may ask, will you forgive me? And here they reply, I forgive you, but those words do not provide approval for them to have further interaction or fellowship. Other scriptural directives must be examined and followed before a relationship can be continued in any dimension after sinful behavior has been admitted and forgiven. For example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and, 7, or 14 and 15, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded, uh, concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. In Romans uh, chapter 14, verse 19, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. 
And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now we undermine biblical forgiveness. The challenge to maintain biblical forgiveness will be waged in the minds of those who grant forgiveness. There are three major areas in this regard. Area number one is memory. That memories that are related to forgiven sins can uh, resurface and can be significant hindrances for uh, believers to maintain biblical uh, forgiveness. These memories often focus on painful situations that were accompanied by overwhelming emotions. And then we have reminders of our past sins. It can be triggered by situations in everyday life and their appearances are often unexpected. To minimize unexpected reminders of past sins, a believer can eliminate some of them in advance. For example, any reminders of past sins, such as clothing, memorabilia, uh, pictures, letters, or gifts, should be discarded. Any locations, events, stories, or songs that are associated with past sinfulness should be avoided. Some reminders of past sins, however, are out of a believer's control and can surface without notice. The imagination will often deal with unknown or imagined possible sin that are mentally linked to uh, known forgiven sins. Imagination of this type can create disturbing emotions. We really need to follow up all of these situations with prayer for all persons concerned who are impacted by these known forgiven sins, including ourselves. Always giving thanks for our personal salvation and for the Lord's continuing help to grow in Christ Rejoicing that every test, temptation is common and can be overcome by relying on the Lord and His Word. Always trusting in the Lord instead of yielding to anxiety and worry. Redirecting thoughts from anxiety to matters that bring honor to the Lord. Moving one's attention away from sinful situations and back to ongoing growth in Jesus Christ. Now these statements are referenced in the following verses that I'm fixing to read. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained this or am uh, already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In concluding this lesson, we should never undermine the power of Jesus and God's Holy Spirit. We can accomplish any obstacle in life through prayer. We must forgive others from the heart or God will not forgive us. Don't let your forgiveness be lip service, but let it come from the heart with a godly Christ-like love. Father, thank you today for this opportunity once again, Lord, to uh, study your word, to study the, the lessons that we have set here today, Lord, that I feel that your Holy Spirit has given me to present to our audience. And I pray, Father, that you will bless each word, each paragraph, each line that goes out to the world, Lord, that you will bless it in a way that people will come to know Jesus and they will accept him as a personal savior. Thank you, Father, for this ministry. I pray your blessing upon it. Bless each and every one that participates in all that we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.